Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, and get your outlines ready if you want to take notes. And uh, we're going to continue our series this morning entitled, Where's Your Heart? Throughout this series, we are talking about stewardship, management. And last week, we, uh, we promoted everybody. Everybody enjoy that promotion this week? Some of you more than others. Amen. Yes. We promoted everybody to manager. And uh, today we're going to be talking about another area of our life that we have been given management responsibilities in. And so I'm looking forward to that this, this morning. Uh, as, we, as we get into this this morning, I want to ask you, have you ever noticed in our society today that there is an ever-growing desire to be successful? I don't know about you, but this has been something that I have grown up with in, in, in my um, generation, at least, from friends that I have. This is a, a common desire, a desire to be successful. And I cannot say, I would, I would, be, uh, I would be lying to you this morning if I said it didn't impact me. Uh, personally, I, I strive to be successful in life and trying to figure out how to measure that. What does that mean? Um, how do we how do we quantify that? Do we define it with compare it with others? It's so it's such a it's such an iffy area. But I would say that the truth remains that we all desire in our heart, in our lives to be successful. Uh, I think many of us here, as even as Christians, it's not just a business thing or a work thing, but even as Christians, we, we come to church. Why? Because we want to have a successful faith as well. Uh, to use that term, we want, we want to be able to say that, you know what, God is moving in my life and, and I'm growing and, and growth in our walk with Christ would be a success, in, in my opinion. And so success is something that is important in, in many different phases of life. Uh, we think about it in, in our society, in business, in school. Uh, I know our kids, we, we, we encourage them. You know, you want to be successful in school. You want to get good grades. You want to try your best because it will set you up for success. It will set you up for growth in your life. And our families, we want to have successful families and uh, our finances. And even in our church, we want to be successful. I recently was in a bookstore looking for some resources for uh, for my job, uh, <laughs> uh, as I tend to do from time to time, and this was a Christian bookstore, and I was I was going through this bookstore, and I was very interested as the a theme began to present itself in my mind, and I knew that I was I was preaching on this this topic, so that was probably running through my mind as well. But as I as I perused the shelves and I looked at all the different books and the different resources that were there, it it just made sense to me that there was a a desire for these authors to put something in the hands of people on how to be successful. I was amazed at how many how-to books are on the bookshelves. How-to. We used to call them uh, self-help, yeah. Uh, I was thinking of a more... Um, the dummy books, yeah. The dummy books, yeah. I mean, we want we want everybody to be successful, don't we? Not just the successful, successful people. We want even dummies to be successful, and we see that in our in our book titles. Thank you for your help. I was drawing a blank there, uh, but yeah, we we see it on the on the on the bookshelves even, 
And, and they're, they're loaded with how to become successful, how to become better at your job, how to be better at your hobby, how to be better at finances and family. And you know what? How many of you have even read a devotional book this week? Anybody? Some of you, good. They're great resources, but what, what are those? Those are how-to books, how to walk with God daily. And they're, they're great examples and great tools that we can use to help us become successful. I, I couldn't help but think about all of these books, and, and there's, there's people that, that do this for a living, but I, I wondered, you know, I'm a simple guy. I like things simple, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if somebody just wrote one book that covered every aspect of our life? And then I thought, they already did. Yeah, it was uh, God-ordained. Uh, it is God's Word, and, and we're going to look at that in just a minute because it is so crucial for us to become successful in our life. Last week, we started to ask the question, where's your heart? And we serve the things that we love. And last week, we talked about how much we love our time. And as we promoted everybody to managers, we talked about how we use our time. And so I want to just give you a quick recap. If you weren't here, here's a, here's a quick review of the first week. Uh, of, our, of our message last week. Where's your heart? And where's your heart with your time? And so we were promoted to manager, and we're going to be given an account of our time. And I challenged us to be able to tithe our time this week and to, to put a standard on that. And so how did you do? How did you do in your time with God? Were you able to, to measure your time with God? How did you do with time for yourself? Did you have to take a few timeouts for yourself, if you will? How did you do with time for your family? Did you make family your priority? And how are you doing with time for church? You're all here back again, so I'm glad you made that commitment and you're taking time for your church today. But I want to propose to you this morning from God's Word uh, one principle that more than anything else in our life will help us to become successful if we put it into practice. So I want us to look at Matthew 25, Matthew's account here in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 14. I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation. You follow along with me this morning. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant. Give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you for your word. Words of Jesus, your son, this morning that we read. Words of a story, of a parable that he tells But God, I pray that you would help us to interpret this story correctly today. To interpret this story into this principle that you've given us today to help us to realize that you do desire for us to be good stewards with what you give us. May your word come alive today in a fresh new way. And may we respond in obedience, I pray. Hide me behind your cross. May it be your words that we hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a very famous passage of Scripture. Red letters, as you saw. Jesus' words. These aren't just words in a book. These are words from our Savior and our Lord. Words that we need to take seriously. Words that we need to take to heart. And the message today is it's going to go down one path this morning. and, And I believe God's directing that path for us. But you can take this story and you can hear probably 10 different messages from it. And so I'm trusting the Lord to be able to speak into your heart today what you need to hear from this message. Where I may go with these points and where God has directed me to go may be something totally different than what you've heard from this passage. And I just pray that we can be open enough today to understand that God has a special word for us when it comes to managing our talent today. I want us to look at one principle today broken down into three parts. Broken down into three parts. The first part is this. You must use what you have. You must use what you have. Very simply put, stewardship is about what you do with what you have. It's about how you manage all that God has given you. Many times we read this story in Scripture and we focus on the amount of of talent or the amount of money that these these servants have been given. And I want to just touch on that for just a minute because I believe it's easy for us to get sidetracked. So I'm going to put a little trap out there for us to get sidetracked, if that's okay. 
I did some studying on this passage, and you could probably hear many different uh, scholars as they study what a talent means, what a bag of silver, some translations say gold, some, ta- some say a bag of money. There's, there's so many different correlations here. So I looked it up, and I started to, to research this. The, the equivalency today, so if you were to do the inflation and the exchange rate of this bag of talent or this measurement of money, of wealth, that, this ser- that the master gave these servants, each bag was equivalent to roughly $1.4 million. So are you sidetracked yet? So many times we focus on the amount of, of, of money, the amount of talent that's given. And we think, well, this person was given five. Why was I only given one? I don't care if you were just given one. 1.4 million is plenty, amen? In other words... One talent is just as good as five when it comes to what we do with it. And that's where we're going today. Let's, let's put aside how much it was, and let's talk about what we're doing with it. Okay? You must use what you have. So many times we focus on the amount, and it gets us so sidetracked. It gets us down this other rabbit trail that God doesn't want us to go because he's got a message for us. You see, he's just promoted us to manager. And if we get so focused on the, the, the issue we think is important, we lose sight of what he wants us to see as important. So let, let's go through this th- this morning a little bit more. We need to realize today when it comes to this that God decides who gets what. You and I don't decide that. It's not your job to worry about what your neighbor gets. It's not my job to worry about what you get. That's God's job. God gives according to our abilities, according to what He has created us for. That's God's job to do. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to grumble about it. And so many times we start to grumble. Well, they got five, I got one. They got five, I got two. Why is this the deal? Well, guess what? You have been given what God thinks you can handle. Hmm. But there's hope. Because God gives us all something. Not one of us is left out. That's good news. That's good news. So it doesn't matter how much we've been given. We don't need to worry. We don't need to grumble about it. We don't even need to complain about it. Lord, help us. We don't have control over it. We just get to accept the gift that's been given to us. And then we get to try and manage it according to God's principle for us. I want you to see another, this isn't on the screen, I don't believe, but Romans 14, jot this down in your notes. Romans 14, 9 through 13 says this. Listen to these words. Paul's writing to the church in Rome. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord of both the living and the dead. So why do you condemn other believers? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. In other words, we can't get in the trap of comparison comparison of what other people have been given. We can't condemn somebody for getting more than us. We can't condemn somebody for getting less than us. 
We have been given what God has given us for us to do something with it. Each one of us is accountable for that. Here's the really good news, okay? If you've been given one, two, or five, I don't care how much it was, but your neighbor has been given a different amount, you don't have to account for theirs. That also means that as much as we don't want to compare on how much our neighbor's been given, we can't even compare on what they're doing with it. Well, pastor, I do a lot for this church. I come and, and my talents are used and I, I, I'm just stretched so thin, I'm getting burnt out with that, but so-and-so is not doing anything. Stop it! They got to account for that, not you. Just like, well, pastor, man, they got ten talents. They're doing everything. I just, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Stop it! You've been given something to do something with. Quit worrying about them. Worry about your gift. Worry about your bag that God has given you. Because it's just as important. You must use what you've been given. You see, we, can't, we tend to get into this comparison trap. It happens outside the church as well. It happens in our families. One of the ways this happened in my life is I grew up in a poor family. Um, I, was, I didn't know I was poor. I didn't know our family was poor um, until I look at pictures now. And I, <laughs> I, I see this and I thought, boy, mom and dad, what were you doing? Um, yeah, uh, it was crazy. But I, as a little kid, I remember uh, I was just talking to, to <laughs> Melissa and Trenton about this this week, too. And, I mean, we didn't have money to cut our hair. And so my mom would cut our hair. And I had the best bowl cut in Pueblo, Colorado, I'll tell you that much. And literally stuck a cereal bowl on my head and shaved around it. Mom, if you're watching, I love you. Um, until the day she cut my ear. We weren't doing that anymore. Yeah, uh, that was, it just all shaved off. It was, it was just one of those things, but I didn't realize it at the time. Why did we do that? Well, we didn't have money for a haircut. Uh, we didn't have money for new clothes. We were thankful for things like Samaritan's Closet because that's where we were clothed uh, many times. And, and I look back and I didn't think twice about it. But it would probably be in style now, wearing blue sweatpants with a pink shirt, you know, a pink polo or something. That, that's how I dressed. That's how we went to school. And uh, I didn't realize it until I started to look at my neighbor or I look at these pictures from the past. You see, we can't get into that trap of comparing where we're at to somebody else because that's just a deadly trap. It's just going to discourage us. It's going to bring death to us. And God doesn't want us to be in a discouraged state. How can you be a good manager of what he's been given to you if you're too worried about what everybody else is doing? God, help us. Help us. You see, we have no control over what we've been given. We have, had, we have no control over what we've been given. We do control what we do with our talent. Okay? And there's two reasons why people don't use their God-given talents. I want to just touch on these before we move on. There's two reasons people don't. The first one is fear. I want us to look back at the guy in our text. He, he said, I knew you were a harsh master. You, you harvested where you didn't plant, and you tried to get things out of things that you had no business being there. He was fearful of his master. So he thought, you know what, if I lose this, I'm going to be condemned. If, 
if I don't do good enough with it, he's probably going to reject me. I might not be successful in his eyes. He was scared. And so many times in our life, we get the same way. God's given you this talent to use, and, and it's like, Moa, this doesn't, this doesn't equate. Let me just give you a quick example from my own life, because I can't speak about your talents. I can only speak about mine. I went to school, and I kid you not, I could go a week in school and say five words, and that would be a lot for me. I was shy, I was introverted, and, and I, my friends, they would invite me over, and I, was, I, was part of, I had good friends, and they'd, BJ, why don't you talk? I'm like, I just don't want to talk. So for God to say, BJ, I've, I'm going to gift you with the ability to talk to people, in front of people, no less. If I'm looking at my neighbor, I'm like, yeah, let them do it, God. Uh-uh, not me. And yet, as I begin to focus on what God's given me, and not what God's given somebody else. I've been able to say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm not going to be scared anymore. I'm not going to be scared to obey you. I'm not going to be scared to, to live out my gifts and to use them for you. Why? Because you are the giver of good gifts. And you've given me a gift, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't completely get why you gave it to me, I'm going to stop being fearful, and I'm going to start using what you've given me. One reason we don't use our gift is fear. The second reason people don't use their gift is laziness. Laziness, verse 26, says it right there. It's very clear. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you didn't know that word was in the Bible, you do now. Lazy. Some people are just plain lazy. Jesus has a word for them. This isn't my word. Jesus' word. It's in red letters, folks. It's not BJ. It's not the word of BJ. It's the word of God. Jesus says, if you are too lazy to use what I've given you, you are wicked. If I could give you the literal translation of that word, it probably wouldn't be allowed to be said in church. It's one of the, the worst things you can be called. And Jesus is using that to say, if you're too lazy to use what I've given you, you are wicked. And there's a place that I'm going to send you. Wow. He must care about this. He must care about what we're doing with what he's given us. We must use what we have. If we're not using our gifts because of fear, we need to trust the Lord to help us to not compare to one another, but say, God, I'm going to trust you to help me to get over this fear. But if we're not using it because we're just too lazy, we're too comfortable, our, our there's a reason that furniture companies call that chair what it is, the lazy boy. There's a reason. Because you get in there and you stay there. I would promote, Pastor Greg, we get rid of the padded pews. We go to a hard bench again. Maybe we can work with the holiness camp and get those benches in here. Then you're not going to be lazy. Don't be lazy. We've got to use what God has been given us. A good manager, a good steward is one who uses what they have. They invest their lives and their talents. They are active and involved. They are not passive and they are not lazy. This goes right along with our message last week on time. If we're willing to look at our time and look at our schedule and we realize that, yeah, we're busy doing a lot of stuff, but if we become good managers of our time, it's not a matter of doing more. It's a matter of being productive with what we're doing. 
He'll give us time to use our talents and gifts in service to him if we trust him with it. Amen? So you see, we must use what we have. The second part of this principle is this. We must use what we have in order that you may give it back. Jesus told another story in in Luke's gospel, chapter 12. Then he said to them this story, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Wow. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I believe God blesses us when we're obedient to him. That's why he does choose to give some people more than others. But it's what we do with that that's so important. We have been given something so that we can give it back. That's the whole principle of stewardship, of good management. When God gives us a gift, it's not for us to hoard and just keep to ourselves. We're supposed to use it. We're supposed to give it back to Him. The text today from Matthew tells us one man was given five, another two, and another one. You see, it's not the talent that matters as much as it is is what we do with the talent. You see, you and I, we are not equal in talent. And we got to get past that. we got to get over that hurdle. You and I are not equal in talent. What God has given you and me is not the same. The Bible doesn't say God gives talents according to fairness. He doesn't say that. It's not fair. It's not fair that somebody gets five and you know, it's probably a good thing I'm not preaching on the one that says 10 and 5 and 1. But it's not fair. Jesus never claimed to be fair. You and I, the talent that God gives us is not equal. But the effort we use the talent with can be equal. That means whoever's been given 5 should be working just as hard with 5 as the person who's been given 1. And the person with one can give as much effort into that one that God has given them as the one with two, and so on and so forth. Because the Bible says when you are faithful and you are obedient with what He's given you, guess what? He will give you more. Yeah, 1.4 is pretty good. But if I'm faithful with 1.4, maybe that means I'll get 2.8. That's not our motivation. But our motivation should be, God, you've given me this one talent. I'm going to use it to the best of my ability because you've called me to use this one talent. My effort is going to be second to none. Why? Because I love you so much. Because you've promoted me to manager. Because you've called me to be something better and bigger than myself. You've called me to be successful. I'm going to give every effort I can to make the most of what you've given me. We'll serve what we love. Where's your heart when it comes to managing your talents? 
Do you love your talent so much, your gifts so much, that you just hoard them to yourself? If there's somebody in here that has the great gift of communicating and preaching, and you haven't talked to somebody about it, you better do so. If you have a gift of, of nurturing and caring for people, and you haven't talked to somebody about how you can use it, there's somebody here Monday through Friday. <laughs> Come and talk to us. If you have the gift of serving and helping other people and you're just sitting on it, God, help us. Come and talk to us. Come and let us help you. You see, you and I have been given something. We've all been given a gift. Why? So that we can give it back. So that we can give it back. Friends, God blesses us so that we can bless others. And when we bless others, we get blessed. <laughs> you must use what you have in order that you may give it back to God. You see, it's not yours. It's not mine. We can't keep it. We don't get to take this with us. It's His. And He's given it to us on loan. He said, you know what? Just like our text says, this isn't new. This isn't something I'm making up. He said, the Master came, distributed the gifts, and said what? I'm coming back. This isn't an infinite assignment. It has boundaries. It has a deadline. It has something that we've got to live up to. We've all been given something so that we can give it back. So the one principle, you must use what you have in order that you can get it back. And the third part of this principle that's so important to our success is because you and I are managers, not an owner. You must use what you have in order that you may give it back because you and I are a manager, not an owner. If we're ever going to understand the stewardship principle, we have to get this part. We have to get it. If we don't get this, we don't get any of it, really. It, doesn't, it, it, won't, it won't make sense. Here it is. Everything you have has been entrusted to you by God. Everything you have has been entrusted to you by God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Just take a mental inventory right now of your life. You might be sitting there thinking, man, I don't believe a word this guy's saying. God didn't give me that. God didn't give me that extra car in the garage that I've loved so much and I take care of and only drive when it's sunny and there's no salt on the road. God didn't give me that extra bedroom in my house so I can have a man cave or a woman cave or whatever you want to put in it. I did that. I worked hard for that. Who gave you your job? Who blessed you with the gifts and abilities that you use for your job? Who blessed you with the family that you have? Who blessed you with the health that you have to enjoy it right now? Well, pastor, I'm sick and I'm going through, I'm going through hell right now in a physical battle. You're still alive. And he's still walking with you. Why? Because he's entrusted you with your life. He's given it to you and he says, here, use this. Use what you have. And if you would, I'm not going to force you, but if you would, use what you have and give it back to me so I can bless it. So many times we take the gift and we run. Huh. Use what you have and give it back to him so he can bless it. Why? Because we're just managers. I didn't promote any of you to owner last week. 
God's never promoted me to owner. He's promoted me to manager. I've had this conversation with my kids. My kids are getting older that they start to understand a little bit more about church and how it works. And, and one day we are coming home from school and, and, and Elliot said to me, he said, Dad, are you like the owner of the church? I said, no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. But they were learning about business and, and, and ownership and management and different things. And I said, God's given us a blessing that we're to manage it. We're supposed to take good care of it. We're supposed to use, use our, our brains that he's given us to make good decisions and to love people and to care for people. Why? Because we're managers. We're not owners. We're not owners. You see, we got to be careful because all that we have, all that's been entrusted to us by God is on loan. And I'm here to tell you that if we don't take care of it, it can be taken away in an instant. Another place in Scripture we see that happen. We look at Job's life. Job had wealth beyond wealth. His wealth had wealth. And in an instant, it was taken from him. You see, we've been promoted to manager, not owner. And one day the master's going to return and he's going to say to you and I, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? He's going to have a smile. I can just see, I can envision it. I haven't been there, so I don't know. But I, I can just imagine. Imagine with me, if you will. You walk up and your, your owner is so pleased to see you. Why? Because you have such a good relationship with him. You don't have to worry about Oh, did I do that right? Or did I cross that T? Or did I turn in that form? He doesn't care about that. He's just happy to see you. And he, and he, start, he sees you coming. <laughs> Your time has come. You get to meet the master. And he's so excited because he knows what he's given you. Oh, I gave, I gave them this gift. I blessed them with that blessing. Can't wait to hear what they did with it. And he has a smile on his face. And as he returns, he looks at us and he says, you know what? What did you do with what I've been given to you? I gave you the gift of teaching. Who learned from your life? I gave you the gift of hospitality. How many people did you feed and care for? I gave you the gift of giving. I blessed you beyond measure. How much did you give away? I gave you the gift of serving. How many times did you offer your hand to help? I gave you the gift of encouragement. Who's better because you spoke life into them? I gave you the gift of evangelism, which, by the way, we've all been given that gift. Who did you tell about my love? I gave you the gift of, of music. How many songs did you sing for me? I've given you the gift of prayer. How red are your knees? Hmm. You see, stewardship, management, it's a very simple concept. God gives you a talent. He expects you to use it for Him in meaningful ministry. To help others. And then one day, we're going to give an account of what we've done with what he's given us. How are you doing? This one principle will bring success in our life more than anything else we can do. You must use what you have 
in order to give back what you have. Because you are a manager and not an owner. I want to close with this thought. Stewardship is really about investing. And the greatest investment that you and I can make is in people. People, souls, are the only thing that's going to last. We can invest and we can make great investments to take care of the life we have here on earth. And, and that's important. And we need to be smart about that. We need to use our gifts to help with people in life right here, right now. But the greatest investment we can make is in the lives of people. Why? Because people is what matters. People is what matters. Being a Christian does not make you religious. It makes you useful. It makes you useful. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because as a Christian, you've been given a gift. And here's the caveat. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ and you haven't trusted Christ with your life, you could be sitting there and hear a message like this and say, boy, I really don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I've been gifted. Well, I'm here to get, let you in on a secret. Until you trust Christ with your life, he's still hanging on to your gift. Now, you may have abilities and, and, and things that God's wired you with that you're just naturally gifted at because he's created you for those things. But until you trust him with your life and he says, guess what? Boom. Here's a whole new thing that you need to see. So I'm here to tell you this morning, being a Christian and trusting God with your life doesn't make you religious. God sees that as useful. Because he wants to use you and use your gifts to further his kingdom, to help more people realize that he has a gift for them as well. You must use what you have in order that you can give back what you have because you're a manager and not an owner. When you think about all that Jesus has done for you, how can we do anything less than to give him everything that we have? As your pastor, one of the things that's very important to me is, is the process in which God takes us through growing with him. And you've heard me talk about it, it, uh, here at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene, we want to connect and engage with real people for real relationships and experience real encounters with God. And we're going to do that as we take steps to help people, pre-Christians to saints, amen? And we want to help every single person that comes through our doors, every single person that we encounter or we connect and engage to take that next step in their faith journey. For some people, that may just be loving God with everything that they have. And that next step may be getting them in here to a worship service. Why? Because in here, we worship God because we love him so much. And maybe that's the next step, and that's where people need to be. But there's also a step of growth that takes place. As we begin to love God with everything that we have, and we worship him, heart, mind, soul, and strength with all of our being, he begins to create in us a desire for more. And then we say, you know what? We can help you with that. You just need to keep that doing that next step. You need to continue to grow. And we plug you into a Sunday school class or a small group with like-minded people who are on this journey with you to help you to grow in your walk with Christ. And as you do that, you begin to grow. And it's so awesome to see God work in those small groups and in, in those Sunday school classes because I start hearing stories that, that 
Pastor, I've been going to this class for 30 years. And instead of complaining about repeated material or whatever that's going on, they say, you know what? Now God's given me a new perspective on things. I see things and I'm growing with Him. And I want to take that next step. I feel like I need to be doing more. Yeah. Guess what step that is? Serve. Because we've all been given a gift. It's what you do with that gift that really matters. Serving is that next step. Serving is that place of growth where we say, it's not about what I want. It's not about my preference in worship. It's not about my preference in the class material. It's about what I'm giving back to Him. And that's just the next step in the process. And as we take that next step and we begin to serve, we begin to sense that fulfillment that God has created in us a desire to be all in for Him. As Nazarenes, we call that sanctification. We are completely sold out. We don't care about the pettiness of things going on. Why? Because we're so in line with what He wants for our lives that nothing else seems to matter because He's got us lined up with Him. And as we do that, then our desire becomes, what's the next step, Pastor? I'm still alive. God's got something for me. Yeah, He does. He wants you to take somebody else with you. All right. Yes. Guess what? You're going to start over but you're going to help somebody else discover that God loves them, that God cares about them, that He wants them to grow in a walk with Him, and then they get to serve. Wow. I believe that there's nothing more that pleases the Father more than when we say to somebody else, come with me. I know where there's living water. I know where there's bread of life. I know where the answer's at. Come with me. And we go on this journey together. Being a Christian doesn't make you religious. It makes you useful. How are you managing your talents? God help us. Would you stand with me this morning? you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we say thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth not only just to, to live a perfect example and just point out exactly what we needed, but you sent him to live life with people. And as he lived life with people, he told stories. And he told this story that we read today. A story of a master who gave a blessing. And a master who had an expectation. And a master who came for an account. And God, I pray that today would be a day as we've heard this message, as we realize our responsibility as managers today that you've given us each a talent you've given us something that's useful to you and I pray Lord that for each person that's here today that you would open our eyes and open our minds to to receive what you have for us today and if we're not using our talents for you Lord I pray that you would help us to give them back to you Help us to give them back to you. Whether it's fear, whether it's laziness, Lord, may we repent of our laziness. May we repent of us sitting on our hands and saying, somebody else will do it. 
And God, may we, may we trust you with our fears. And may we place those in your hands and say, God, I thank you for this gift. Now will you help me to use it for you? And God, I know that as we are obedient to you, you will be faithful to us. And just as you said in your story, when you've been given and you are obedient with that, much more will be given to you. God, I pray. God, I pray that you will bless this obedience far more than any monetary value. That you will bless the obedience from this service in a kingdom way that will glorify you and bring more people to a relationship with you. God, help us as we leave this place to trust you with our gifts, to trust you with our talents, and to be the best managers that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight.